You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by the Breeders' Cup. Good morning. Welcome to the show. It is Thursday, November the 17th, coming to you again from Bahrain, where you won't be surprised to learn that it's a beautiful day as the horses make their final preparations ahead of the International Trophy on Friday, more of which a little bit later in the programme with news of a fascinating Scandinavian runner, the first such horse to run in the kingdom. But first of all, uh, to matters domestic, or at least to matters European, and a sparkling performance yesterday at Warwick from John Bon, who was one of last season's leading novice hurdlers, but who finished a, a distant second to his stable companion, Constitution Hill, in the Supreme Novices Hurdle. He will take higher order over fences if yesterday was anything to go by in a moment. You'll be hearing just what it was like to ride him from Aidan Coleman. But first of all, Jane Mangan, RTE and Racing TV broadcaster is with me. Just how good is John Bond going to be, Jane? He's going to be better than what we saw last year. He's an absolute natural and it seems a while ago that JP McManus forked out £570,000 for him after winning a point to point by 15 lengths and I remember at the time people thought that was ludicrous money. Well, for the full brother to do Van, he looked a little bit like his brother yesterday. He was fraction keen early on. Aiden didn't fight him. He's a natural at two miles. He's got pace that other horses can't live with. And Mon Morale and West Cork are decent. But he absolutely pulverized them. I mean, I still maintain that a half a million pounds north of half a million pounds for any jumps horse is kind of ludicrous money, but it's all relative. And there are plenty of people who've paid a lot more for horses who can't get out of their own way. So I guess it's um I guess it's looking money well spent at least. Yes, uh, I suppose if you have it to spend and you want to get a top horse, he had a lot of the ingredients and there's many examples, which we won't name, that were poor investments. But he was good last year. He was rated 152 over hurdles. You mentioned the Supreme, but he came back. I thought it was most impressive from him last year after getting such a hard race at Cheltenham to come out at Aintree and show that he was able to take hardship. And he did that in grade one company at Aintree. So he's come back this year looking an even better prospect and he's probably one of a number of exciting beginners chases we saw hollow games at Navin. i was very impressed with what he did and we're going to see some very exciting beginners over this weekend the likes of journey with me kill crush gaillard and manil imagine he's still uh, a beginner for this year rated 156 they're all entered up for the weekend so this is the start of the novice season as it is this year um, before we get on to what the novices from last year will do in open company this season. There's only one person who really knows how it felt yesterday. Um, this is what Aidan Coleman had to say about John Bond's round of jumping at Warwick. Yeah, I think, look, I can't shed a whole pile more than it looked. It was very, um, it was very pleasing, as always. Uh, he's a jockey's dream to ride, I've always said that. He, he jumps out, he gets on with his business and, and um, invariably he wins bar bar one defeat to you know you know the you know the looks like the all conquering Constitution Hill. So yeah, no very very happy uh, uh, Nick I suppose it was it was a performance that was somewhat expected. 
but at the same time, you know, when you're looking at the betting, you look at Paul Nichols' form, Monreal's ability and the ratings. Um, um, you know, he was only a few pounds clear, John Bond. So, uh, you know, all in all, it was a very good performance, wasn't it? Oh, and the fact that you go to Warwick where the fences come up rapidly down the far side and you want a horse who's assured and is measuring them and sensible and he looked all of that and more. Yeah, like Warwick is like it probably what you call it a jockey's favourite. You know, you, you know it takes jumping, but at the same time it's very fair. And when you ride a horse around there, you, you know you're ready. Really, um, you know, it's a, and it goes well. It's it's a great introduction to them. And as you say, there's no bogey fences as such, and it's just a very fair track. You know, it kind of ticks all the boxes as a as a starting point. And um, you know, John Bon. Um, you know, you know, he, he, he did he did what he was there to do, and, and um, he did it very well. well. We've seen it with the best steeplechasers down the years, the Corto Stars and the Desert Orchids and the best mates, and you know, even latterly, a horse like Aplutar, their, their distance requirements are academic. Really, they can win at all sorts of distances. Would that be the case with him? Do you think, or do you see him out and out as a real speed horse? Ah, uh, look, he, he's got a very high cruising speed. Look, he's he's won a pint a pint. He would stay, but like what he is is he, he's he's a he's a um, he's got a big rangey long stride, and he's just best off just kind of put your hands on his neck and, and just leave him leave him u- utilize that stride. And and um, look, two miles looks to suit. He's, he seems an accurate jumper at the moment, and um, I, I can't see us stepping up for now but at the same time with this horse he's you know it's not his fault um he's been ultimately you know people probably because of his price tag at the sales he's been a he's and his brother as well obviously he's been a a very much a talking horse and um he's put he's kind of no fault of his own he's kind of put up there to be shot at and and um you know i know you mentioned those horses but i think you just kind of have to let this horse run and and do his own thing now and, and be his own man and and um He's doing it at the moment, and long may it continue. Yeah, I, w- I wasn't really sort of trying to compare him to them. It was more a question of the, f- the fact that sometimes we get hung up on a horse's optimum distance. I always think jump racing is not really that. St- I mean, I-, I think most good horses can kind of pretty much run over most trips. Oh, very much. I'd be a massive believer, and I'd also like for, you know, from a massive fan of flat racing, I'm not saying, not talking about jump on now, I'm just talking about like back to your point about good jump horses in, in general I think Willie Mullins proves it that you know these horses can be very competitive at a very high level on the flat as well that's not you know John Bonn has kind of just gone off on a tangent but I think it just it, mm. it, 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 it just it highlights your point that a good horse is a good horse and um, you know they can adapt to most things and that's why they are where they are I, from a from a, a layman's standpoint, it, it didn't look as though you had to do much organising of him yesterday for a horse having his first run over fences. No, no, I suppose the only time I kind of took the reins a bit was the first ditch. He was kind of, um, he was a bit long going down to it and, and um, I went forward on him. Uh, he didn't let me down. He was very good. And then he went, if you look, he went down to the next and he absolutely show jumped it. So that goes to show the brain he's got and... Um, yeah, as I've always said with this horse, and, and I used to get a bit annoyed last year when people used to kind of say this and that about him. He, he is ultimately a jockey's dream, and um, I went racing yesterday, you know, with a lot of excitement and knowing that, um, you know, there was a lot of pressure and all that. But at the same time, at my age, I went there to enjoy it, and I knew from my school, from schooling him and, and, and riding him last year that, you know, that you know, Barry, you know. You know, it's something unforeseen. I, I, I was going to have a, a very nice time on him. 
Uh, yes, it's an interesting point, actually, because we, we had quite a long chat about this at Goodwood in the summer, and you were saying that because he was a bit sort of um, jig-joggy or, or he'd be on his toes beforehand, it, it was a natural enthusiasm that was mistaken for edginess. It was just, he was just keen and puppyish to get on with it rather than rather than taking anything out of himself. Yeah, I think it just seemed to be the narrative last year. It kind of set off at Newbury and the Gallup morning and then it, it kind of no, nobody really left the drop after that. But if they actually looked into it, like they would have said any time the tapes went across, he was just, he was a perfect gentleman. And as well, he runs with a loose ring staff and a no noseband, just a normal noseband in his mouth. You think if he was as crazy or whatever as people made out, we... Myself or Nikki, or uh, we would have we would have kind of tried to um, counteract it. But if, if people looked into it last year, he was actually a lot more straightforward than um, they were trying to make him out to be. But look, that was just seemed to be the narrative last uh, um, last year, and, and I was very happy yesterday when I got off. I had no such questions, which um, you know, which was nice. Uh, just going back to to that run at, at Cheltenham last year. Um, I mean, it does make you wonder. It just does make you wonder exactly what Constitution Hill could could be capable of. It is, it's slightly freaky. Yeah, yeah. And look, I knew Constitution Hill last year from well, it's like everyone knew Constitution Hill going to the Supreme, but I'd seen him a long time before that at Nicky's. And I think myself and Paul's um, idea going out. Uh, look, there's a few things, but Constitution is by far the best horse of the day. And uh, he looks, he looks like he's got really, he is special, isn't he? Um, we kind of knew Constitution Hill had loads of gears, and uh, uh, Paul and I kind of had a similar type of horse. And we very high cruising speed, jump and run, and just try and take this thing out of Constitution Hill. Ultimately, it's probably a pace burn up. We we rode to beat him, and it didn't work. Um, it actually, wrote, you know, suited him even more. But um, said we rode to t- try and take the sting out of it that day and you know go go hard and it didn't work <laughs> it didn't work and probably um but we, we there was method to the, what we were doing but mm. it, it didn't work <laughs> uh, i i want to i want to ask you one question about the wretched low sun um have we is the genie out of the bottle here or is there anything we can do about it is it now well we've been taking these fences and hurdles out for years so the threshold has just got lower and lower and, and we can't really go back. Well, I would never any other track, you know, I suppose it depends relatively day to day, but I think, I, you know, yourself and whoever else at Cheltenham, one day we get him out, just go down to the start of the home straight because it's the angle of... The sun just sits just above, you know, the winning line there, wherever the top of the hill is, and you're running up to it. And honestly, like, you, you, barely, see the, you barely see the obstacles coming down to them. Um, with the glare of the sun it's not shadows or anything like that it's just the way it is at Cheltenham in particular I think next time you see him out and you get you take five minutes out of the TV and run down and get a car down and, and, and have a look from from our angle and, and it would shed an awful lot more light on it I can promise you that yeah so that's what I'm saying really so now everyone's saying well it wasn't like it was in our day we just got on with it and if we couldn't see we couldn't see it's ruining the sport I, I, I'm asking you as a senior rider whether you know, it, you you can't go back, can you? That's you, it, once you start imposing safety measures, you can't say, "Well, no, to hell with it." Well, yeah, and like, like, you know, it, it, yeah, exactly. It, it's safety first, and like, it, 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 I think 
I think it doesn't happen as many as much as people think. It just it just seems to be these fixtures at Chelsea at this time of the year. It just seems to be a minefield for it. But if they kind of um, put them earlier on in the day, you know, besides trying to accommodate TV, they, you know, you wouldn't have this problem at the same time. <laughs> right. So so yeah, they just need to be ahead of it and put them in a bit like the Paddy Power chase. They moved that to make sure that couldn't be a low sun victim. Yeah, exactly. So you can do something about it. Put them earlier. Like it's e- put it this way, it's easier for us to jump the jumps up the straight at Cheltenham, especially in a two-mile hurdle than there is um, than not. I can promise you that. But, I can promise you that because you have to go around them and there's whistles blowing and it's just, it's like you look at the start of the Greatwood the other day, like it, it makes the start a lot more important when you have to go around, particularly the first hurdle. But is it? But it, would it be one person's call or everyone's call? When you get down there and have a look at the angle of the sun, would it just be one of you calling out, right, well, I'm not happy about this? Uh, well, on reputation, now we all know what Cheltenham is like, so we kind of know going out what it's going to be like. It doesn't really change. As long as the, if, if there's no clouds, it's always the same around that time at most fixtures there. But I suppose... And I so suppose... Really, yeah. It's decision, really. I, I suppose the point is that how dangerous is it if the sun is really low and it's impairing your your visibility? Well, it's, it's not... It's, uh, I, I think if anyone just goes back and watches any power at that time and then you look at... There's a horse behind of Alan Kings in that mare's hurdle as well. Um, oh, what was her name? Red colours. Lenique, if you look at that race again, you can see particularly that, that the, the, the horse that fell out um, was, was, was a good example of what happens at low sun. To be honest, if you, if you go back and delve into the archives and look, there's 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 two examples in one race. Uh, really interesting listening to Aidan Coleman there. I just pick up a, the point about the low sun first of all, uh, Jane. And I, th- there's been a lot of chat in recent days, a lot from people I I really respect saying, "Come on, just get on with it. It's taking the essence out of the sport. Jump all the obstacles." But as I intimated there to Aidan. Isn't the genie out of the bottle? How how after years of saying, right, we're going to respect jockeys' wishes here and we're going to keep them as safe as possible because we don't want them being blinded by the sun, how on earth do we then turn around and say, ah, do you know what? Sod it, jump everything. It's a risky old game. Look, there's many examples we've seen it before of horses coming up long, landing on hurdles or fences and falling because they've come up at the start of the shadow. So I don't think you can put in a hurdler offence because you think that's the right thing to do. It's it's a matter of safety. So that that isn't an option. And writing about it won't make it an option or talking about it won't make it an option. What I will say is, is there an option that we haven't considered? So instead of just blindly taking out, you know, multiple jumps on a course, I often thought would it be an option to face a light at a hurdler or a fence, say from the corner of the wing, so that would take away the shadow in front of the fence. Now, somebody might be listening and think, well, that's stupid because that would create a shadow at the far side of the fence. I just think there should be um, a, a number of options considered rather than just black, white, in or out. So ultimately, there's no point in discussing it as it stands. You're not going to put in a hurdler or a fence where there is a shadow. Because we've seen many on many occasions horses coming up long and we're in a game where it's quite, you know, dangerous and we can control a few things. And one of those things is shadows. Yeah, I, I don't. And also it's the fact that the, the jockeys can't can't see if I mean, uh, talking to one or two of the riders, they said there are some race courses where you think, well, I might be all right. Cheltenham's not one of them. I mean, 
is it when the sun gets low that you just can't see yeah i've been in that position myself well, where you're say. looking up and you're trying to find wings and because the wing is white and you'll hopefully see that first so if, if a jockey can't see then a horse certainly can't either so there's no point blank you can't you can't put in a hurdler offense if this the sun is shining directly on it have you ever driven in a car and had to put down your sun shield or put on your sunglasses horses can't do that jockeys can't do that um so look that's my opinion there'll be many opinions on it but i would venture that somebody maybe could come up with a solution that mightn't have been trialed yet yeah i mean there was talk wasn't there about erecting something uh, on the on the far side at at cheltenham which would sort of block out some of the sun and yeah, they thought it was just too difficult and too expensive and yeah, that's that that sounds a little bit like a hollywood film but i would venture well, that maybe we could have a light in front of the takeoff that's all I, I maybe it'll be wrong and maybe people will say that's a ridiculous idea but it's just one that we could consider the irony of it is that it is not sun that they'll be worried about in in Britain or Ireland this weekend. It'll be it'll be rain. The ground's either either hard or bottomless. It seems there's no there's no uh, in between. And and Haydock and Ascot are going to take a whole load of it. Is there a possibility, Jane, that having banged on for weeks about how we need rain for these jump sources, people are going to be debuting their horses this weekend and coming back and saying, "Oh, the ground was just too heavy for his seasonal debut." If the ground is too heavy for their seasonal debut, then they're not proper national hunt horses and they're looking for excuses that I personally don't think are valid. I was so disappointed we didn't get to see the likes of Fernie Hollow last week at Navin because the ground was officially yielding. It wasn't soft, never mind heavy. Um, we're talking about issues regarding uh, the sun and horses not being suited by obst obstacles being taken out. If a national hunt horse can't go on heavy ground, they're pro not proper national hunt horses. You should have been running in the autumn, running in the spring and skip the middle of the winter. That's if, if there's horses and good horses coming out this weekend because they don't want to start them off in a slog. Oh, we're so we're talking about flight line running six times. My God. I'm not but I'm not sure I buy that narrative because. If you've got a if you've got a horse beginning his season and you want that horse to last through the season, surely I mean I realise you don't want to run a horse on fast ground because you increase the risk of tendon injury, but surely on very very deep ground where you can get a horse incredibly tired, um you know, you, you you are you are you asking trainers to get their horses at absolute Cheltenham Festival like fitness for their first run of the season? I've never trained a horse, so I'm not going to say what that fitness is or what the, what work I would I wouldn't know what kind of work that takes to get to a horse that level. But if a horse is fit and has talent, it should be, you know, I I don't think they're going to go a million miles an hour on heavy ground. Jockeys ride accordingly on the surface that they're riding on. But you also talk about proper national hunt horses. You you know a lot more about breeding than than most people I know, Jane. Isn't the breed pretty homogenized now anyway? The the idea that you know the, there aren't really horses around these days that are the equivalent of Horses by Proverb and Cantab and you know Le Bavard and Turtle Island and looking for well he's a bit bit, bit newer than them but you know what I mean there aren't great big hunter type chasers are there around now you're you're looking for the Draper type no we're not living in the Draper era but you take a horse particularly those French bred horses when they come over the like uh, likes of Undeso they can back up every time having run on heavy ground they're just hardy and they can manage it but they don't manage quick ground so if there's people you know we I can 
completely understand horses not wanting to run on quick ground from a, a horse's tendon point of view and from the jockey's point of view as well. But if you're, it's a discussion we're probably preempting something that might happen this weekend. Hopefully it doesn't. I don't think it's a valid excuse I'm, for somebody to say, oh, we, he'll get I'm too hard to race on the ground. What I'm preempting is somebody using heavy ground as an excuse this weekend for a, for a horse. I'm not saying what that horse that might be because it, it applies to virtually all of them that are going to run for whom they've been saying we need rain because we're getting one extreme or the other. Uh, that, that leads me neatly on to Lom Presse, who it is received wisdom is that he needs rain, therefore he will run at Ascot on Saturday. Or at least I think that's the intention. This is what his owner, Andy Edwards, had to say to me as he was driving up to Newcastle in the rain earlier on today. Yep, yeah, it's all systems go. We've declared this morning. Yeah, the rain's come just in time. Um, we're very happy with that. Um, he's done enough work. Obviously, he come on a lot for the, for the race. And it's a nice pipe opener for us to start the season with. I mean, you you say pipe opener. It, it it's not a it's not a gimme, isn't it? I know you're a you're a short price favourite, but you look at the horses that that are around. They're not they're not mugs. You've got to be. No, I completely agree. And um, um, you know, it's his first run of the season. It's his first run outside of uh, novice company. And there's some very good horses in there. If um, San Calvados is, is back to anything like like his best, it, you know, he's going to make a real race of it for us, as will the others. So, no, it certainly isn't a gimme. And obviously, like I say, it is a pipe opener for us. And it will come on a lot for the race. You look back through that amazing season last year when you won at Exeter, Ascot, Cheltenham, Sandown. And then at the festival again, improving leaps and bounds every time. How do you view him now, Andy, having sort of had a bit more time to reflect on what he achieved last year? Well, obviously it was magnificent um, what he did last year. And to be part of it, like, uh, you know, it's a dream come true for a lot of people, and especially us. Um, I passed in the glory of it throughout the summer I took the trophy all around France with me and, and uh, on tour to show everyone and when I sat I kept saying I, I keep having to pinch myself that it really happened um, but now having sat down and been very calm about it I feel that he's done everything I could have ever hoped for already so everything from now on is a bonus so you don't feel any added added pressure now. You just can you just want to sit back and enjoy the ride. Yeah, enjoy the journey as I have done for the last three years. It's always about the journey with the horse for me. Um, the one thing I've said to Venetia uh, this year is that I, I don't want any pressure on her or the jockey or the horse. And if I've got one job as an owner, it's to take that pressure away from them. Um, and so that they can make very relaxed and good decisions um, either during a race or, or training before it. And just talking about his his preferences, I, I, I note that last year he never ran on what you would call absolutely bottomless ground. I know, I know we'd had that all that rain at Cheltenham the day before he ran, but never was the ground softer than, than soft and it regularly it was good to soft. Do you think we're being a little bit pigeonholy by saying this is a horse that wants loads of rain to run? 
No, it, it doesn't want loads of rain um, to run. Good to soft is, is fine for him. Um, he go on good ground. Um, we're, we're wary. We're wary of the, um, the fact that he had a leg as a four-year-old and so we don't want to be putting, putting him on good ground this early in the season. When it comes to the Gold Cup, the chances are the ground will be good on the Friday, as it tends to be these days. His skill set plays more to cut in the ground than maybe some of the others do, and that gives us a little edge in those races. And Andy, you may have answered your own question there, but is it is it definitive that you see him as a Gold Cup horse through and through? That is his target. You're not really looking elsewhere in terms of his distance requirements? No, the, the Gold Cup is the target this year. Um, it's like I said, we, you know, if he is the horse that we hope he is and we think he can be, then we've got another three years of the Betfair chases and King George's and other races to go for. But as a second season novice, we want to give him the right pathway um, using little steps, as I've said before in the press, to, to get to the Gold Cup and get in there in the best order we can. That doesn't mean, however, that we will exclude going to the King George. If this rain keeps up, keeps up like this and it's very soft ground, then we would have to consider going. Andy Edwards there, the owner of Lon Presse. I thought that was... Um... Very interesting what he said. He wanted to take the pressure off Venetia Williams and Charlie Deutsch this season. He would take all the pressure himself quite happily to enable them to make the decisions completely unencumbered by his interference, which I thought was rather a nice thing to, to say and how much he's enjoying the journey as well. Is he going to make up into a real gold cup horse, which is what they want to do, Jane? There's no reason to suggest why he won't. He was brilliant last year. I was just thinking of, in comparison to national or to novice ratings, how does he compare? Well, himself and Brave Man's Game came out of last year, 164 hoist, and you're 161 galloping the champ on 172. But this guy was brilliant at Cheltenham. Yes, he wasn't quite so good at Aintree. Maybe he was gone over the top. But even at Sandown back in February, he dismissed rivals by 20 lengths in that silly Isles. So I think he's a very uncomplicated horse. He's a very economical jumper. And they can start dreaming with him because I'm sure they've been dreaming all summer about him. But he's uh, a horse that a lot of people over here, I was chatting to Ted Walsh last week and we were thinking what could be the breakthrough novice into open company this season and we both agreed this guy was high on that list. Benicia Williams, 0 for 23 the last two weeks. is She has been waiting for the rain. Um, she hates running horses on fast ground and um, fingers crossed that Lompresse can really kick her season off in earnest on uh, on Saturday. He won't be the most high-profile horse running on Saturday at Plutar and Constitution Hill. We've talked about them extensively uh, over the, the course of the, the week. But if it got very soft at Haydock, to what extent would that inconvenience the Gold Cup winner, Jane? You're not calling him not a proper national hunt horse, are you? No, it doesn't matter. It doesn't, it literally, bar mishap, that horse. I don't know if people have recognised how brilliant he is to beat Shaq and Persuel over two to quicken like he did from the bend at Cheltenham to what looked like Minilla Indo was gone at the second last and she 
just this turn of foot he's got. Um, I, I don't think conditions really matter. We know his optimum conditions might be a little bit drier, but he's awesome. I'm looking forward to seeing him back. That was a brilliant picture on the Racing Post over the weekend of him in the loose school. God, he looks fit, doesn't he? And he looks lean. Um, you got Protectorat, you got Eldorado Allen. I know Frodon won't like the rain, but it's a numerically disappointing size of the field, albeit I'm looking forward to seeing the skeleton horse out, but mm. not as much as I'm looking forward to seeing the Gold Cup horse. I love Aplutar. Chairman of his fan club, but I think Protectorat could at least give him an interesting race if it gets really soft uh, this time. Is anything going to get Constitution Hill off the bridle? I'd be surprised if they did. Goshen brewing up a storm. They shouldn't be good enough to do that. And uh, again, will we learn an awful lot? Probably not. Just see his well-being before bigger targets lie ahead. But, you know, let's let's the talking is done. Let's leave them run. And Jane, what about the other highlights in Ireland this week? We talked quite a bit about the Morgiana hurdle yesterday with, with Joe Chambers. It'll be fascinating to see what turns up in that. Yes. And uh, I know a lot of people will point to the fact that it's monopolised by Willie Mullins and he's won 10 of the last 11 and he's going to saddle all of the field, if not most. But he has done that in the last couple of years and he lets his horses run against each other, which makes it interesting. I remember Nichols Canyon turning over Faheen, Sharjah turning over Faheen, um, and of course Sharjah winning it last year as well. So no surprise, Patrick Mullins thinks he's the horse to beat. I'm most interested to see Vauban. I think that's just a case of what what will he do against a heavyweight type horse? Will his jumping be better than we saw last year? Will Sir Gerhard run or will they go over fences? They don't seem to know themselves, never mind us guessing what they might do. And uh, State Man as well, Echoes and Rain, the mares had a good summer, but that's um, the Morgiana hurdle today. Clomel does some very good racing. You've got Blue Lord against Tornado Flyer again. We get so carried away with novices. Blue Lord is odds on at the moment. Tornado Flyer, the King George winner, is five to one. Small field again. Fakir de Deris, uh blew away his rivals in that race last year. But I think the race of the day today is actually the mayor's chase. Scarlet and Dove, second, sorry, third behind Ellie May at Cheltenham. She's favoured to beat Ellie May today. Clomel, Dolchita, Bally Shannon Rose. That's a proper listed mayor's race today. And uh, as I mentioned, some of the beginners' chase entries are pretty good over the weekend as well. Two days of Punchestown, Cork as well. The rain has come here. It is absolutely swimming around these quarters, Nick. And that's what we Irish like to see. Now, we're right in the thick of the Goffs November Foal Sale. And there was some good, strong, explosive trade in County Kildare yesterday. The top lot was lot 727, a colt by Kingman out of Dane Street, a half-brother to Skitter Scatter for early stud and the purchaser philip stauffenberg who was a very busy buyer yesterday joins me now um philip first of all what made you push quite so hard for this cult by kingman yeah um you know first of all as it matters to me is the physical and this uh foul um, was a very very good mover especially for a kingman he um he he is a horse who is, um, in my opinion, a big improver as a physical. And um, and the page, if you take the page, um, he has a stallion's pedigree. And so whatever the, the uh, situation will be next year, there should normally be um, um, yeah, pretty good demand for a horse like that, whether you are... Uh, um, trying to buy a, <clears throat> a top-class racehorse or um, a future stallion prospect. That's what he is. So I thought um, I can I can go a little bit higher than I usually go. 
because um, there will be only very few pages like him. And um, and I think the physical, how I can visualize how it will look next year, uh, will match that page. Yeah. So this was <laughs> yeah why why I was a bit little bit more bullish than I maybe should have been. Yeah. And, and you were you were busy yesterday. The the second uh, most expensive horse you bought was a. A Knight of Thunder cult out of Persona Grata, consigned by the Irish National Stud. You went to 280,000 euros to buy him. Tell me a little bit about him. Is, was he a very different type? Um, no, very, yeah, he's a different type, yeah. Um, obviously, he's a different sire, uh, different breeding. Uh, but again, he was a very good mover and he's a, he's a foal. I, I see that he will... He, I expect him to improve a lot and look completely different as a yearling. Um, I thought he was a lovely foal, um, lovely hat on him and everything, very good mover again. And um, yeah, no, um, the, you know, the dam is a black type um, winner, has produced a black type horse. And um, and there's some, you know, some Im- improvement on the other side there as well um, if, if one of the siblings goes on. And um, yeah, I, I I trust I'm optimistic that um, it will be it will be nice nice yearling next year, yeah. But it was you know I I tried very hard yesterday. I was the underbidder on the Philly um, Katsumi Yoshida board, so um, I would have loved to have that Kingman Philly as well. But there just was no chance because um, Yoshida or the representative for Yoshida was just uh, too strong, yeah. So, um, yeah, but that was the other one I was really bidding on. And I think there were two, yeah, two other ones I was underbidder, another Night of Thunder and a No Nay Never. And, um, yeah, whether the decisions to leave were right or not, I don't know. We, <laughs> we only can wait until next year and see um, uh, what happens. But yeah. you, you were getting quite stuck in. You wanted a few more than you got as well. Is that a measure of the, the depth of quality as you saw it at that, uh, 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 in, yesterday's, in yesterday's sale, indeed in the sale throughout? Yeah, there were there were some really nice folds. Yeah, um, um, obviously it's always a mixed a mixed bunch, but there were there were some really nice folds, and I tried to secure uh, the 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 best I thought were there, um, but it does not always work out. That um, you you set your limits, you have your your price range where you think you can buy, and then you you go one or two more more bits, or maybe three more bits. But then at one stage, um, you you see the the value uh, going, yeah, or your opposition is too strong because it's an end user, um, uh, which then may be your future client, and then you you have to stop because uh, obviously it sounds silly, but uh, the, the the gain is in the um, in the in the in the value of the purchase price. Yeah, if you if you spend too much on a foal, um, then. Uh, it will be more difficult, really, to gain uh, to gain a profit um, than as a yearling. Yeah, Philip, thanks so much for talking to me. Well done yesterday. Thank you very much, Nick. Thank you. Thank you. Have a good day. Okay, that was uh, news there from the sales. Jane Mangan is is still with me. And uh, Jane, we need to touch upon something we spoke about yesterday, which was this um, potential for uh, television coverage to be radically altered if the intended ban on gambling advertising during daylight hours in Ireland comes into force. Uh, There's been a little bit more more on that from one or two of the major firms. 
Yes, so you chose your words carefully there because we don't actually know what this new bill entails. On Tuesday, the Taoiseach Nihal Martin was at a press conference and he announced the Gambling Regulation Bill will set out a framework uh, of legis- and legislative basis for the establishment of a new independent statutory body uh, and for the robust regulatory and licensing regime for the gambling sector. So what does that mean in English? the formation of the Gambling Regulatory Authority, basically being established um, at some stage in 2023. They didn't say when, and it's to regulate. It will be focused on public safety. It will cover gambling online and in person with the powers to regulate advertising, gaming, websites and apps. Uh, the Taoiseach Michael Martin said this is long awaited and much needed bill that takes responsible approach to balancing the freedom to gamble with the safeguards to protect people from falling prey to addiction. This bill provides a clearer framework for operators and consumers. So the bill itself is to be released at the end of this week or early next week. And uh, because there's no detail actually after being released bar the announcement that there will be a new regulator, the whispers have gone into overdrive. A lot of people suggesting that incentives such as free bets will be banned. Uh, a lot of people, we, we know that the ban, there will be a ban on betting on television between 5 a.m., uh, 5.30 a.m. and 9 p.m. There's a possibility that we'd have to opt in as a requirement for ge- for gambling and advertising on social media. And there's so many more whispers going around. So the bill will replace the currently fragmented regime uh, with three types of licenses uh, for both in-person and online uh, betting. One is business to consumer gaming business-to-business licenses and gambling licenses for charitable and philanthropic causes. But until the bill itself is actually released, we don't know how it's going to directly affect racing. All right, so building here in Bahrain towards the Bahrain International Trophy of 2022, and for all the big powerhouses are represented in this race, most notably Godolphin, with four horses spread across three different trainers, there's no doubt one of the most popular results would be success for King David, who's been a real star in Scandinavia, trained uh, by the uh, Danish trainer Niels Peterson, uh, has performed with great credit, uh, unbeaten in Scandinavia this season after what was a, a reasonable campaign in Dubai last year where he posted a couple of respectable efforts. He looks to have improved since then and the team behind him are very much being warmed to by everybody here in, in the Kingdom of Bahrain, jockey Oliver Wilson. A Danish, but with uh, an English father, uh, Nina Pashtara, the groom. And uh, first of all, in this um, short piece that has been put together by the Bahrain Turf Club, you'll hear from Niels Peterson himself. Obviously, it's a big task for us to come out here with King David, but um, I mean, he's in good form and we come out here and been a couple of days and things look really good, so I'm, I'm delighted to be here. Just been out on, on the grass today and uh, he feels, feels like he's in good shape. He's one of the best milers we've got back home. He's, he's had a very good season this year. He's, he's won four races, two group threes and two listed. So it, it fitted out in his plans to come out here. And uh, of course, it's, it's going to be a step up to meet some of the very good horses out here. But uh, yeah, we, we're feeling confident and uh, it, it worked out everything we wanted to do with him. So it's, it's, a, it's a big task, but we're very excited. It's a special horse, but in a, in a good way. I think he goes to 
many people's hearts. Uh, he's funny and he likes to. He likes his training. He likes to go out. He likes to do things, and uh, he's just a wonderful horse to be around. He started out his career with another trainer uh, in uh, in Scandinavia. I took him over two years ago. The first year, I, I took him to Dubai to, to get to know the horse properly because he was he's been a good horse in Scandinavia through the years and uh, got to know him better. And I think we sort of improved him a bit. I think his trip down to Dubai had something to do with it. You know, the horses keep training, keep going, keep racing, and that's what he really likes to do. It's hard to train back in Denmark the whole winter because of the tracks and the weather and it's freezing so they get a break sometimes right so I think when they just keep going I think it's good for them okay thanks to my guests today Jane do you have a tip for me I'm going early the 1242 is a maiden hurdle at Clamel and I like Corbett's cross for the O'Sullivan family in the opener he was a good bumper winner at Cork and I think he might be value Corbett's cross in the first race at Clamel all right good stuff that's it from all of us that was thursday november the 17th uh, one of us will be back with you tomorrow goodbye for now you've been listening to nick luck daily brought to you in association with fitzdares the racehorse owners association and thoroughbred racing commentary